Welcome to episode 19 of Unframed, a podcast which hosts talks and conversations about South African art and artists. I am your host, Anthea Pockroy. Today's episode is a very special and important one to me with my friend and colleague Louise van der Bell. In 2010, Louise and I co-founded Assemblage, a non-profit artist-run organization which aimed to provide support, education and networks for emerging artists. After nine years of hosting many workshops, peer mentoring sessions, exhibitions and studio spaces, all of which encouraged community, sharing, collaboration and professional practice for hundreds of artists, Assemblage has decided to close its metaphorical doors. In this episode, Louise and I reflect on how and why Assemblage started, our failures and successes, the ever-changing Johannesburg arts landscape, and our ultimate decision to close the organization. Enjoy listening to my conversation with Louise van der Bell about Assemblage. So welcome to Louise, to my home. Uh, we're recording in my home today. <laughs> Louise van der Bell, or Louise Ross, she has an identity crisis. Um, or not anymore, I don't know. Um, this is an episode really close to my heart because I've invited Louise to come and chat to me about Assemblage, which is a non-profit organization that Louise and I founded in 2010 and have been running for the last nine years. So this episode is for us to, this conversation is for us to sit and talk like we have many, many, many times before and think about what Assemblage has done, what it's achieved, what it's um, failed at, things that we're proud of things that we wish were different. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to to do this. And I think it's important for people to know what Assemblage has accomplished and how it has impacted the Johannesburg visual arts community. I'm obviously very biased and very proud of what we've done. But, you know, from the feedback we've received over the years and this, the lives, the artistic careers that we've impacted and the friendships that have been made through through the organization, we've received that feedback. And I think objectively we can say that we have really done amazing stuff. So you haven't even said anything. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lou, let's, let's, let me ask you about the very beginning of Assemblage. How did it come into being? <laughs> it's weird. I was thinking about this the other day. Let's see. You and I studied at WITS together. We finished at the end of 2007 and you went overseas to do stuff. <laughs> and I got a job in a gallery and we did some things for, I think, two years on our own. Oh, backtrack. Our last year of WITS, we did, I'm hesitant to say curating, I'm always hesitant of the word curating but let's say we curated with a couple other classmates some experimental exhibitions mm. so we knew that we could work well together and we had sort of the beginnings of an idea about community orientated collaborative projects mm. and I think we had an urge to to do more yes to do something we, outside of what was expected of us and we had seen really interesting things just in those two projects because we had worked outside of our curriculum we had a really positive response. A lot of people arrived. Well, we had the director of Joburg Art Gallery open our exhibition. Yeah. Anyway. Clive Kellner. Yeah. So it was, we knew we could do something. 
And we went our separate ways and you came back. I think it was either the very end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010. Beginning of 2010, yeah. And we sat down together and we were, I remember it being on, like sitting in your bedroom, <laughs> probably on your bed, <laughs> going, my parents let's house. do something. <laughs> what could we do? And like, you had this idea to make a website, which was something similar to something you'd seen in London. What was it? ArtQuest? Yes, artquest.org.uk, yes. which was like a hub, online hub for artists in London to find all the info they needed about how to survive as an artist. And we thought, well, let's do this for Joburg. Joburg needs something to connect artists, to give artists info. And we got really enthusiastic about this idea and um, started planning our website. <laughs> yes. But it, it was that, that conversation kind of bounced off into other conversations with other people, which started leading to, to things. And we, we very intentionally, at the very beginning, came up with the name Assemblage. Do you remember how we came up with it? I remember brainstorming quite a lot. Yeah. I've probably got notes somewhere. We, <laughs> yeah, we probably looked in dictionaries. and But we were and, thinking of yeah. ideas around collaboration, yeah. a hub, um, a meeting point, a network. And we, I think we even wrote down, I was tracking this a few years ago. I started doing like a tracking of the history of assemblage. And we had defined our aim or our vision like right then. We knew we wanted to focus on collaboration, sharing, and connecting, which has become our sort of core essence, values. values. Yeah. So we had this name and we had this like core thing we wanted to do, but we had thought initially it would just be online. And these conversations started happening with people who you and I were meeting about this idea we had. So it was, I remember having lots of meetings. So many. But the one person we came into contact with, I had come into contact with was Mandy Johnston who had I had met her through your friend and she also had a um, fine art degree. So I'd met Mandy Johnson, who also had a fine art degree and had, there was like a, a meeting, I suppose, of minds. She had some ideas around similar stuff to what she wanted artists to be sharing and collaborating and chatting to her about we were, what we were thinking about. She kind of said, why don't we run some workshops? Yeah, she was very focused on skills sharing. sharing yeah. And so we started collaborating with Mandy quite early on. But collaboration was a key aspect of what we mm. were looking for. Yeah, I think we were just saying before we had this interview that we, as individuals, we're very communi- community orientated. Mm. We really crave community. I mean, I just wrote a whole thesis on that. So <laughs> we, we are the kind of people that, you know, I think there's a stereotype of artists being like these lone mm. figures. And I think there are obviously many that, that function in that way, but I think you and I and Mandy mm. and many of the people that came through our space um, are people that really require the the community, the sense of kinship and support mm. and friendship and uh, mentorship as well. Mm-hmm. Like you know, being in a space with like-minded people mm. and receiving feedback constantly and being able to talk about things that are important Mm. to us as artists and I think we always craved that and I mean I don't Mm. think that's something that I don't think it's something that will ever go away no I don't think so like and I think it's crucial to our identity as humans actually yeah we need community I'm trying to think what I I can't remember the exact order of things I know I've got it all written down (laughs) because we're very very good at keeping notes yeah (laughs) keeping track of everything but we 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 
tried a workshop with Mandy. I think that was in the beginning of 2010. It might have been like March, April, and it was a mold-making workshop. But we also had started doing peer mentoring. Yeah, so I remember the first peer mentoring. I was working at David Crit, and I got this idea to – because I remember – I had just gotten back from London and I was feeling very kind of unmotivated and a bit stuck Mm. about art making. I really wanted to go back to art making and I wanted to enter this photographic competition and I had kind of taken a series of photos and I was really unsure about them. Retrospectively, they were shocking, but (laughs) I was really unsure about them and I was like, oh, you know, it would be really great if I could get some feedback from Mm. my fellow artists. So I thought of this concept and I think we had come up with it in, I mean, I think we had seen it online. I think it was part of um, ArtQuest maybe yeah, was maybe. the peer mentoring. Maybe. Like maybe there were peer mentoring sessions being advertised on ArtQuest. Um, it wasn't a solely unique idea, but it wasn't happening anywhere in South Africa besides from maybe within institutions. Mm, so mm. obviously when we were at university, we were receiving crit sessions regularly, mm. but it wasn't happening outside of um, any kind of institution structure. So I really needed feedback. And I remember, I don't know if Mandy was involved in that first one, but you she and was. I, was she? So there were maybe six of us and we met at David Critty, let us use his print workshop gallery space for the first for our first meeting and and then yeah we just kind of started meeting and talking about our work and getting feedback from each other and then Mm. it started growing we made a you know next time you have to invite one other person well I said what I remember Mandy was there because she started referring to the Trinity sessions and um, what Marcus and Stephen used to do I can't remember what the and it was with um there was three of Smith yeah Catherine Smith and Marcus and Stephen I think Marcus Neustadter Stephen Hobbs for those that one to know. I think the Trinity Sessions got his name because the three of them used to meet and do things together. And talk about their work and, and show their work. They and went through a phase where they invited people to join them and have these crit sessions and things. And Mandy had, Mandy's a bit older than us, so she had, had been a part of that. And she was talking about that, about how we could um, have these sessions and invite people to join us. And so there was a bit of a debate amongst us at first. Do we keep it a closed little group or do we each invite one person each time and it's a different person or do we open it up? Mm. And I think for a while we started meeting like once a month and we started inviting. Like I think at first it was like only invite one person each and we would meet in different places. Like yeah. I think we met, we met David Crit a few times, but then we started meeting in people's homes and then... Vansa. Well, at some point we went and spoke to Vansa because with the website idea, we um talking to people. Oh, yeah, we're speaking to Joseph Gaylord and Brendan Copestoke about yeah. Artright. Because Artright, what Artright was trying to do, which has been absorbed into Vansa's website now, was create a resource around legal stuff and professional practice for artists, which we were interested in also doing. And we didn't see it being a a need to both be trying to do the same thing at the mm. same time. So we let go of that. Yeah, and we were talking quite a lot to Vansa around what they were trying to achieve as well. Again, trying to not overlap, but rather work parallel and complement each other. So Vansa mm. started letting us use their spaces. Yes, and but at Bag Factory, we did um, peer mentoring at Bag Factory and Artist Proof Studio. But by that point, we had started opening it up. So yes. we got to a point where we started... I think it was because we were all talking to people and we were realizing that there were a lot of people who needed this mm, thing. Yeah. They just needed to meet and talk about the work they were making because it was just nothing. There was yeah. no nowhere to go to anyone and say, am I doing something good or bad? Yeah. And what do I do next? And so we had these sessions going all over the show. And so this was 2010, 2011. We didn't have a physical space. We were this floating nomadic group of artists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just want to quickly, before we go forward, mm. I just want to go back to 
this need of wanting to start something mm. of like what was it about about starting why did we need to start assemblage um besides from our personal desires to create community mm. i think you know the kind of thoughts we were we were having at that moment was we you know we came out of a four year degree from from wits both of us and whilst we had learned how to think and conceptualize and you know really break limits of thinking in art making we had zero idea how to go out into the world after graduating and making it as yeah. artists yeah. we had no idea so we wanted to create a community where we could all kind of figure it out together mm. because we knew there were lots of other people in that position we also felt like there were a lot of cool things happening in Joburg but they were kind of happening in silos yes um we felt like you know whenever there was an exhibition opening there would only be like the close community family friends mm close colleagues of the people that were having the exhibitions and we wanted all the things that were happening in Joburg to be a little bit more kind of inclusive mm -hmm. and accessible and broader and so I think we, we really wanted to connect different elements of the industry which is really interesting looking back now and like especially with this art fair kind of well, this I just think of social media but art is yeah this art fair thing is also like really highlighting these different yeah. um aspects of the industry and i mean it's something that we struggled with throughout our maybe we need to just highlight the point that the joke yeah. aren't only started in 2008 yeah and facebook only started in south africa in 2007 social media was like really not a thing in 2010 mm -hmm. and Yeah, so I mean, like, Joburg Art Fair was the only art fair still in 2010, 2011. It was still quite small. The landscape today, almost 10 years later, is so, so different. So different, yeah. Um, and it, it was, I think we used to talk a lot about wanting to be a bridge between the institution and the sort of functioning arts I don't know, industry. industry, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, like there was, we saw ourselves and many others graduates coming out of the system and just going nowhere because there was nowhere to go. Mm. There's no artist-run centers. There's no workshops. There's no exhibitions, no group studio exhibitions, spaces. no studio spaces, nothing. I mean, there was Bag Factory, uh, which has been around now for almost yeah. 25 years, but there were, there were only like 11, 11 studios. Yeah. And then there was August House, which kind of went through a, a thing kind of and then closed. kind of closed down. So there really was a strong need for studios, which we opened in 2012. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. We, we did. We wanted to bridge this gap because we felt, and I still feel like the institution, the, the universities, maybe not so much the training colleges like Bag Factory. I mean, not Bag Factory, Artist Proof Studio, Market Photo Workshop. I think they are quite industry focused. But like the universities are very insular in that they don't really prepare mm. artists for for how to function as an artist mm. in the in the world <laughs> you know i think they have started implementing professional practice they yeah they have professional practice modules yeah. and like how do you know i don't know what they cover but we just felt like there was a lot yeah there was a huge gap there was a yeah. huge gap that we wanted to and maybe to the fill. question why us well no one else was doing anything and we had energy and we had ideas and we were not scared to talk to people and ask people for stuff Yeah, we, I think we weren't scared. Wow. I mean, I'm I think scared. of... So what started happening is we had these peer mentoring sessions going and we, we also started doing workshops, mostly Mandy, which were skills workshops. Like the first one we did was how to make molds. And all these people came, all these artists, wanting to learn how to do mold making. And then we did like a studio lighting one. And again, all these artists came to learn about studio lighting. And 
the logical step is you've got artists meeting and they're making work and they're learning how to make better is obviously exhibitions. And we started experimenting with that in 2011. We did a launch event at what's now Main Street Life. Yeah. Yeah, next to to Main. And that event, so just on this thing of like why we did stuff is we didn't pay anything for anything. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) We got given, we didn't have any funding either. We didn't have any money ourselves. We started this with nothing but we had lots of energy. And Main Street Life, they agreed to give us the space to use it for free. We had used it for a few days. And we, um, we decided to do mostly a digital <laughs> exhibition and performance. There was quite a lot of videos. And we had all these... I it was just like multimedia. Multimedia, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Um, so we needed projections and sound equipment. We convinced someone around the corner to do a bar. So they ran the bar <laughs> and... I don't know what they did. Sold oh, things yeah, or something. Pattern, and we, invi- we invited people to do music and they did their music. And the sound equipment, I remember we had like lone DVD players and uh, I can't even speakers. remember. I think we had a contact at SABC. No, and then eventually, so first it was Vits, I think, and then eventually someone had a contact at SABC and SABC arrived with all these projectors <laughs> and speakers and yeah. everything was sorted out. And yeah, we were really good for at we were really good at asking for stuff. So people would, yeah, people would give us things. So if you don't ask, you don't get. get. I mean, uh, we did a then the next one we did was Jobic Fringe and of course Jobic Fringe was happy to collaborate. They were trying to grow their event. They gave us a space for free in Bramfontein to put up an exhibition and we've always been big on artists being involved in hanging stuff. I always I know this is just an aside, but I love I love citing this example. Um, from that Joburg Friend show in 2011, we had Benon Lataya who unfortunately passed away yeah. um, earlier this yeah. year and he he had just kind of been he was only, he was in South Africa for a short time and he exhibited with us and he we sold his work for like 5 or 6000 rand 3000 rand uh, mm, I don't know it? maybe it was 5000 yeah <laughs> anyway but basically between 2011 and like 2018 his work kind of 10 times the price no, not 10 times like a thousand times <laughs> so that's that's quite a cool yeah example of of we, well, we were encountering all sorts of artists. And, we, yeah. we often um, did open calls. As we progressed, we became more concerned about... Quality? Inclusivity. Oh. <laughs> right? well, that's so funny because Louise and I basically constantly had arguments and debates. Let's call them debates around quality, <laughs> quality versus inclusivity. And that was something we spoke about ad nauseum for... Mm. Nine years, <laughs> and we still haven't reached a conclusion. I uh, don't know, but well, you couldn't keep having the same people on the exhibitions all the time. Well, that's what we thought. I mean, lots of people do that, they do just put the same people on exhibitions all the yeah. time. Um, whereas we saw assemblages being inclusive, sorry, but well, creating opportunities <laughs> for as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? So, we'd do open calls and we'd put yeah. together a selection committee. But we always, I was going to say, we always had a selection committee. Like, I think yeah. we always, we didn't just accept anyone. We definitely, we used to change our selection committees all the time. So, a lot of people over the years have been invited by us to be on selection panels or mentors or facilitators. Yeah. Do we so, have a list of that, actually? We that should make be, one. Yeah, we should have a that list of all the people that, that have, like all professionals that have actually assisted There are us. so many people over yeah. the years who have um, willingly given of their time, mostly for free. In recent years, as we've received more funding, we have been able to pay people, but so many people have given their time for free. And their, Can you think of some knowledge. early days, like Toby Orford, the art lawyer, 
Brendan Copesteg did that artist. Marat Bering from Stevenson. Yeah. From early on, she was willing to. Mary Corrigal did the How to Write Your Artist Statement yeah. workshop. We had a lot of support from Barca. Mm. Um, so Business and Arts South yeah, Africa. As we, as we continued our journey, a couple questions came up. We started wondering what we were because we weren't registered anything and how we were going to fund ourselves because you can run on energy for a little bit and then after a while you do need to start paying people and um yeah I mean you ran on nine years of energy somehow I don't know I ran on like five or five years of energy it does get to a point we just can't anymore which is why we are here (laughs) (laughs) But it's something we didn't think about as a, we didn't think about the business model or a business plan. We very were so well. naive. We were so <laughs> idealistic. We were just like, we want to do this for the community. We actually were like, we we were so we were like, we don't need to make a profit. <laughs> we were so naive and young. And we were speaking to lots of different people. You kept taking a kept setting up interviews with people you knew, like friends who'd like or cousins, I don't know, who'd gone into business, business or law. Yeah. And eventually we decided we better register ourselves as a non profit. Yeah. And unfortunately that was a convoluted exercise because we did it before the laws changed and we ended up with a very complicated structure, which we still live with. Which is a trust um, as opposed to an NPC, NPC a non-profit yeah. company. And the, the, the organizational structure of a trust is very complicated and it's caused us a lot of grief. For a non-profit. Over, over the years. So we've had yeah. to register with all sorts of different entities. But anyway, we became a non-profit. Give, give some of that information. I oh. think it might be useful. Well, for we registered. We're yeah. a trust that's registered with the Department of Social Development as a non-profit, and we are a public benefit organization registered with SARS. So, mm. on a year-to-year basis, we have to do many trustee meetings, which is a requirement of our trustee. And if we change anything with our trustee, which we have over the years, you have to submit that to the High Court. For the Department of Social Development, we have to submit annual. Uh, financial statements and annual reports. So quite a lot of narrative report stuff. And for SARS, we need to do proper um, bookkeeping and tax returns. And they also need quite a lot of information around the trust and trustees quite often. Um, okay, I think that's yeah. cool. So, <laughs> it's otherwise, fun. otherwise it's going to get boring. Um, you can, it's fun. Listeners can hear how boring a lot of the... Non-profit stuff. The, yeah, and I think... Yeah, I've learned a lot. We were, yeah, absolutely. You're such a great arts administrator. Wow. But like, I think that's... We didn't really think of that. Well, when we started, we, we started with such a kind of energy of like, oh, let's do this amazing thing and like... We don't want to get paid and we just want to like make a difference in the industry and the community. And um, and there was so much admin. There was uh, so yeah. much admin around it. And, and, and people, I don't know if people, people realize no that. Idea. No idea. And I suppose, I mean, we did get asked the question quite a few times, like, well, how do you actually make money? <laughs> so like, Anthea's got a real job. And <laughs> I've uh, was a, also had a real job <laughs> as a painter. Making yeah. selling art. Yeah. And I'm like very reliant on my supportive husband. Yeah. I think um, also, I mean, we were also in the early days, we, you know, we wanted to do exhibitions, but we were so adamant that we did not want to be a gallery and we did not yes, want to represent sales. artists and deal with sales. Yeah. And like sales of artwork was actually like the bottom of our list. It was about creating opportunities and stuff. And, and I think over the years, <laughs> we realized what a bad mistake yeah. that was because actually selling art would have probably supported us a lot better mm. than it did 
And um, we have sold a lot of art over the years, yeah. ironically, because you put an exhibition up, someone says, is that for sale? You say, yeah, yeah, I have it for whatever many thousand rand. But it was never like, that was never the main reason for putting up the exhibition. It wasn't to sell. Yeah. It was to create platforms. And then we opened a space and that's had overheads and that became quite heavy trying to um, negotiate how to bring in the money to make sure Your. we could keep the place open. We first opened uh, Artist Studios in 2012. We actually, you know, we, we spoke earlier about talking to lots of people mm. and getting advice. And I think, I mean, that's just so typical Anthea as well. <laughs> like I outsource advice to millions of people per problem. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it was like my initiative maybe to talk to all these people, mm. but it was really useful. And I remember we spoke to Brett Wilkes, who was doing oh, his yes. MBA. Yeah. I have no idea how we even got that meeting or why we spoke to him but anyway and he was like why don't you do some market research you know and, and as fine artists it was not something we had ever kind Such of come a novel idea <laughs> we had never come across like market research so so we put together like a survey and we sent it out to as many people as possible and we were trying to understand the needs of the community what people needed and artist studios was like an overwhelming need i think we surveyed 100 people and like 98 said they needed a studio yeah. so um, we were like okay this is it we're doing it and what was interesting is we asked all these questions about where the studio should be and how big the studios should be and what artists were willing to pay It'd be interesting to run that same survey now and so we were able to go to particular suburbs number one was bramfontein which just didn't so work expensive. It did not work and so we ended up in newtown and newtown's a complex uh, yeah, suburb it's, it's an interesting space it's 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 tried so hard to be this like epicenter of arts and culture and you know i think the market theater especially now with the newest renovation i think it's you know the theater side i think has been fairly successful but like the art side has never really taken off mm. i mean museum africa is just a little bit of a well like the week we moved in they started building a shopping mall <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that went on for two years. And it was dust in our space the entire time. But we we loved our space in Newtown. It was fantastic. Oh, I love that we space. were in that little side street where Carfax throws all those street parties. And my favorite part was having like the best view when there were like those street parties and concerts. We used to get comps. <laughs> yeah. So we loved our space. And we I think we grew that. I really am so nostalgic about that time period between about 2012 and 2016, 2015. Yeah, maybe a year before we moved out because I think the community already had started dwindling. But between 2012 and 2015 or 2014, it was, yeah, it was three years, I think. It was, wow, what an amazing community. I mean, we, we had a, I mean, I think at the beginning we had a very high turnover because I think people were like, oh, I want a studio. And then they like came in for mm -hmm. a month or two and they're like, wait, I can't afford this. <laughs> and then they left. Um, mm. But I think thereafter. Yeah, it took a while to get the right mix. Yeah, for, after about four six to six months, months yeah. I think we like got a community and it actually stayed pretty solid for two yeah, to three years. Yeah. And obviously we had the odd person coming in and out, but there was, there was the same people for a very long time. Yeah. I think we developed an incredible community. Yeah. It's that space and that time, I think, for those who were part of it, those I've spoken to who were part of it, I know it was something very special. So when we launched that space, there was also a huge amount of positivity, huge event, um, because, as we said, there were no studios other than Bag Factory functioning in Joburg. And it felt 
pivotal, I suppose because it was beyond a studio space. We had been doing stuff. People were aware of us. We'd been doing mentorship. We'd been doing workshops. We'd been doing a lot of exhibitions. In 2012, I think back to 2012, it was the most insane year. We also collaborated with Portia Malaiki because Assemblage was not just about artists when we first started. It was about collaborating with everyone, writers and curators and doing projects. And Portia, we had approached, she'd also gone to Wits, and we said, don't you want to curate something with us? Mm. Through conversations with her, we decided to do a project <laughs> so collaborative but with um, her and Anst the Anstey's kids and what was called the Urban Arts Platform. Yeah, Lee Lindemann. Man, it was crazy. Initially, we thought that we were going to match artists to kids and they were going to produce artworks and we have an exhibition. But then we realized that the kids knew nothing about visual arts. They hadn't been exposed to visual arts. So we needed to run introductory workshops just to art. So it was a six-month program. It was very intensive. Funded by Goethe. And we did an exhibition at the Goethe, Goethe on Main Space. And I mean... We did that, and at the same time, we were looking for space to open a studio. I had resigned from my job a while ago, so I was also like, I want a studio space. I'm being a painter now. In 2011, I got funding, and I I'd, um, had been part of this project and sold works, and I was, like, rearing to go. So it was just, like, it felt like a lot was happening for us. Mm. All of a sudden, we'd put a lot of energy in, and things were um, – I actually, like, wore myself completely out mm. that year, but – yeah, 2012 to 2014 was intense, yes, I think. But that's, yeah. once that space was set up, it just it gave people something very concrete to hold on to. It was, we had visitors coming in and out all the time. It was 24-hour access. We had this core community who used the space obsessively. Mm. And it was, it just like mushroomed into so many other opportunities and projects. So that's, I think, when we really started working with Barca Business in Art South Africa. We had a mentor dedicated to us who was amazing, Hilton Lawler. He's been so supportive of us over the years. To this day, yeah. But Barca has so many resources and programs that we took advantage of, which were so useful. But we were also talking to the cultural institutes and we had Primi Piatti as a sponsor <laughs> giving us pizza all the time. Uh, yeah. Um, which people love. They'd oh, come to our random. events for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> And we were just doing little projects that would spin off from different things. Like we did the postcard project, which was because of premium sponsorship. Anyway, yes, that's a whole the little... supporting grant. And I, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but then we got in touch with the African Arts Trust, which was founded by Robert DeVoe, who's a, a major African art collector. And I had met him in 2008 mm. when I worked for the first Joburg Art Fair. I uh -huh, met him and I stayed in touch with him and I saw... I'd seen something maybe online or something about the African Arts Trust and I contacted him and we landed up getting funding from the African Arts Trust for four, four five years. Five years. So we did five studio years. bursaries, That's which amazing, was basically yeah. like a one-year residency, which was an amazing program. And I can't remember what the total number of artists now it's Well, we, I think we started off with like three no, or we did five, five, six, but we did, we did five or six for the first two years. And then we we went down to two or th to three, um, and then we did the exhibition programs in the last no, year. No, we did projects. But yeah, I mean that was amazing because you know as much as we were trying to be cheap, <laughs> so mm -hmm. that or inexpensive, so that we could cater to artists. I mean the the reality is artists don't have a lot of money unless they're coming from family or you know kind of some kind of support network behind them, but they they're not making a lot of money I mean maybe stuff's different now but at that point I think the artists that were coming to us you know they were kind of 
emerging. I mean, we were always really catering for emerging artists. I think initially we tried to kind of, we wanted to appeal to established as well, but I think Mm. we just found our niche as, as an emerging artist organization. And we, we wanted to try keep the prices down, but the reality is, and we never made a profit from the space. We never took a salary or paid an administrator or anything. So we were really just covering the rent, internet, cleaning, Mm. and that was it. But a lot of people still, understandably, Mm, couldn't afford to be there. So this bursary program was amazing because we managed to Mm. fund Mm. probably like over 10 artists over that time um, to have studios for a year each. Um, And most of them stayed on, actually. Most of them made a plan to to stay on. So many of those artists have actually done, like, really well. I mean, mean, I'd love to talk about them, actually. Well, this is, you know, something we haven't done very effectively. Is is really hundreds of artists. Well, I was just thinking, like, so the early community, okay, was, I'm going through the studios in my head. We're not going to go through all. Lechlokinola Mashaba, Isaac Zavale, Meninkulu Ngoyi, Vivian Kola. Mandy Johnson, Mandy Coppers Martin, Anna Patha was there, but she was a bit later. Io McCandle, myself, Re- you. Rebecca Hasem. Yeah, Rebecca Hasem. There's so many. There's so many. And Bev everyone, Bev, but Yeah, and everyone's gone on. Like everyone. Oh, Grace. Pepper Fatso. Oh, my gosh. gosh. So, Did like Neo? someone like yeah. Neon Pepper, because we'd have different things, people would be part of our studios or they would participate in a workshop or peer mentoring. Or they would be part of an exhibition. So like Pepe Fatsa and Neo Matloche, who is now based in Amsterdam and winning awards and things, they were students at UJ and we had this exhibition in 2013, which we did in an empty space in Bramfertine on the top of a building. And was that the first time we met them? Yes, they were like second years. The exhibition was called Diptych. And they participated in that exhibition and they were young and naive and they were amazing. They had so much energy and they did this like really cool artwork. And I look at the two of them now, like they're going places. They're still young. They still got along. And um, it's so exciting to see, but it's also like, wow, like these people. Um, and and so they, those but, kind of things made me think, assembly was making a difference because what it was starting to do was what we didn't have. These younger artists coming out of the institution were seeing places to start showcasing yeah. themselves and it's they've leveraged into other things i just i'm just thinking of neo and pebo and like that it just makes me think that in every group of of graduates from like a, a an institution or a training college or whatever there's always those people that are like so hungry mm. and neo and pebo are like definitely you know like mm. we were in fourth year when mm. we were going out and trying to make other opportunities mm. they were like they were trying to do things outside of university. They weren't just doing things to receive marks. Yes. And I remember also Isaac and Minnie after mm. we did a peer mentoring session at uh, APS. And they, I think we mentioned that we were opening studios. Isaac and Minnie like, they, were there they the first ran day. up to me. <laughs> they ran up to me afterwards and they were like, we want to know more about these studios. And like, they were there with us from the beginning right till the end. And um, I just think there's a certain kind of person that's, that like is so hungry for for wanting to do this. I mean, being an artist is not for sissies. It's Mm-mm. not something you do to to become rich. <laughs> no, you have to really, 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 really want it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you can um, now looking back at like those people, like you can see how much they want it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah. I mean, we could go on for days yeah. going through case studies. There are literally hundreds of people in recent years. 
2014 was quite pivotal for us because we received funding from both ABSA and RMB. I remember sitting in a Barca workshop and they were talking about sponsorship and we knew these relationships were starting and they were talking about how you get one sponsor and you don't want a conflicting sponsor. It's like, we were like, but what if we get two banks sponsoring us? And they laughed at us. But the market, the, the, the funding came from different angles. ABSA was a marketing sponsorship and they gave us an exhibition in their gallery and RMB was a CSI, so corporate social investment um, through Chikalulu. Through Chikalulu sponsorship. And that was the beginning of what was fresh produce at the Turban Art Fair and has developed into now called Talent Unlocked. And that program has run for six years. Wow. And there's more than 100 artists have gone just through that program, which now in its present incarnation is a six month intensive mentorship with professional practice training and uh, peer mentorship with uh, established artists, and then an exhibition at uh, Turban Art Fair with the work selling. So the artists walk away after six months, not only having received mentorship, but having been on an exhibition where they've sold stuff. Mm. Um, it's a great program. And then, yeah, and I mean, if I think of just the artists who've gone through that, how many of them have gone on to do so many other things? Yeah. It's, yeah, it, like a, perhaps at some point it's worth going back through all the people, but it's not something. I have done as yet. I think Louise should do a PhD. Well, First of all, do a master's. Yeah, you still have to do a master's. I think you should do a master's on assemblage. I'll see how I go. I think someone said, to me, someone said to me the other day, I should do a master's or a PhD on assemblage. And I was like, no, I think no. that's more Louise's, Louise's <laughs> vibe. No, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Write a book. The struggles. <laughs> So it was going okay, well. Okay, no, wait, let's talk about our successes first. Okay, no, we've spoken about our successes. Well, we got to 2014. Okay. And okay. And so, so the, no, wait, let's go back to the studio. So we were in the studio space. We had a fantastic community. We decided to take more space. We had like the first half oh, of yes. the space. We created we, a printing and, business. Yeah, we, we, we decided to expand the studios because we, it was so much in demand and create a print workshop. Yeah. Talk to us about prints on paper. Oh, prints on paper. So prints on paper is a collaboration between a private partner and Isaac and Minnie, who've already mentioned, also known as Alphabet Zoo. And initially, it was an idea to support artists in our space because there were quite a few printmakers and potentially make money for assemblage. So assemblage is also a shareholder. Um, we had, through Robert Devereux of the African Arts Trust, connected us with BZ Bailey because oh, yeah. we had shared the idea with him. And BZ lent us a printing press. So we were able to start the business quite cheaply. And we also sourced a silk screen unit, silk, uh, screening table, drying racks, exposure unit. Um, Built a dark room. Yeah. And it's prints on paper has been a whole nother thing. And we could do a whole episode just on that, which we're not going to do. But it added a different angle to the yeah, studio space say, really and a different sort of thing that happened into the future. And also it brought a lot of yeah. artists through the space. Yeah, to, like also that, ran a lot of workshops, produced a lot of prints. And, and, and using the workshop, yeah. A lot of exhibitions. So I feel like the one thing for me that I've really struggled with this assemblage is because the South African visual arts landscape is sparse, there's not a lot of stuff happening, because there's a lot of gaps and opportunities. And I'm one for like seeing opportunities and going for it. And I think you're a bit like that too. And Mandy as well, who have been, we worked very closely with Mandy for several years. She really was integral in developing our workshop and professional practice program. So we were always like saying, oh, we could do this and we could do that. And I feel like we actually just were always trying to do too much and we're never able to. Not perfecting the one thing. Yeah. 
I yeah. mean, so it, for me, that's our biggest weakness what, what and do, potentially our downfall yeah. in the end. Is, what do you think we should have focused on? That's a hard question. I, like, I see the strength of the Artist Run Center and the need for it, but I also know the struggles we went through there and why we closed it, which we'll probably go into shortly. Yeah. I think what we have identified as being our sort of unique selling point, to use a business term, is our peer mentorship program. Yeah. And and we have been focusing only on that for the last two years. I yeah. Think, okay? And the professional practice years. training, which links to that. But, mm. but there is always this uh, tension about exhibitions because you mentor people and then what? And you always, there needs to be an output. And, mm. who, and again, no one's filling that gap. There's not someone obviously taking all these artists to churning out things and putting together group exhibitions. No. Um, no. There are new things starting to arise, but it's, it's not absorbing mm. the number of artists. So with regards to the studios, we were in the Newtown space. So basically, when we started the studio in 2012, as we said, there were no other studios. There was Bag Factory and August House was like, I think it was maybe, I don't know. It was, there was something. Yeah. Was like and that was it. There. I don't think there was anything else. You know, obviously there might have been artists in random. I'm sure there yeah, were artists, artists in, in, in random spaces, yeah. but there was no like communal studio, studio spaces. So, but then by 2014 or 2015? 2015. 2015, there were like at least 12 to 15 new studio spaces. It was crazy. There was Twill Shop. There was Ellis House. There was... Um, well, August House had reopened. August House had reopened. So when, um, there was Nugget Square. That came a bit later. Um, there was Anstey's building. There was... There were just a lot of... Carfax reopened. Carfax studios. opened studios, yeah. So what we had found is we were losing tenants and yeah. we weren't getting new tenants where we didn't previously have that problem. We were always full and we always had a waiting list and suddenly we didn't and we didn't... So we couldn't pay our rent. Yeah. And also, um, let's let's not joke and let's not fool ourselves, mm. but artists are – obviously, they're artists that are very reliable and very um, good at paying their rent, but there were many artists that it was very difficult to get rent out of, and that put us in arrears a lot of the time. And it was just – I mean, doing that kind of admin was – the oh. worst. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> trying I, to get I, money out of artists. I think our landlords did love us because I would, because we were selling art, we had other projects going on, we would get money from other sources. So, I was like very strict about cash flow and paying our rent. But we got to a point where we went to our landlord for Guru Marib and we said, We're really sorry, but we're not going to be able to pay our rent next mm. month or for the foreseeable future. And he said, Well, why don't we just cut it in half for a few months, which was really nice of him. Yeah. And we tried that. But we still weren't able yeah, to we pay manage. the rent. And then we, we looked at some partnership possibilities and it just wasn't going to work. And he, I think, feel like he might have in the, let us use the space for free, but his partner didn't want to. There was a business partner. But in the end, it wasn't going to work to stay in that space. And we had this dilemma. So that was towards the end of 2015. Mm. Do we shut it down completely and say it was fun while it lasted? Or do we find a new space and we were particularly concerned about two things. One was the artists being still sponsored by the African Arts Trust, the bursary artists, and the printing business, which was kind of ticking over. And we started looking at spaces and debating and debating. And, and also we had a lot of – we spoke to the artists in the studios and said to them, would mm. you come with us? Or we didn't say it like that, but we said we think you're closing the spaces and then mm. they expressed that they really wanted us to continue. Mm. Yeah, they would move with us. And – what we'd identified is all these other spaces were all cheaper than us. Yeah. And the only one that was a similar price was Bag Factory, but they had a lot of sponsorship, so their artists weren't paying the full price. So we needed to find somewhere a lot cheaper. And through various 
coincidences, I suppose, serendipity. I don't know. We found the space at one Marshall Street next to one Fox. Yeah, I just want to say quickly, like, I think what was different about our model with all, with all the other models is that most of the other models, they owned the buildings. Mm. So, you know, and then and then they were then renting out. Yeah. Artists yeah. were renting directly from landlords. And whereas we took on the, the responsibility of paying rent on behalf mm. of mm. artists. Yes. So that was, I think we were, I think we were like the only people that, that. that had that model. And that's why I believe it, it didn't really work out. It was really hard for us. No, that's you know? a good point. And also, I remember there were there was there was talk about people at August House, um, you know, paying for rent with artwork, and mm. like that was just not something that we could do because mm. we had to actually pay pay rent Money, to landlords. Yeah. yeah. So we moved to One Marshall Street, which was we convinced them to renovate the space, and we fought with them over the lease and changed lots of terms. Like we convinced them. That we couldn't pay surety, so we signed a surety as artwork as surety clause, <laughs> which oh, got us clever. well. In the end, we had to pay it over, but yeah, um, but it's, yeah, it was better than paying money. It was like one hundred twenty thousand rands worth of art right. or something, <laughs> and um, the rent was a lot lower. It was less than half of what we had been paying, and so we moved in there, and we had the opportunity to create a project space. So we made a project space. Like a big exhibition space. Yeah. And so for a while, we did, we still had studios. We had a project space and we had a print studio. So it was very much an artist-run center. The other thing maybe to mention is I had a baby in 2014. And I, before that, had been very present in the studio. I had a studio space in the space. And after I had a baby, I wasn't able to maintain that. So I moved out, and I think that also shifted the dynamics quite a bit. Whereas I was quite had, I would do sort of the arts admin work in between my painting, and I was very hands on, and we potentially lost that hands on aspect. We tried to hire administrators, and we got some donations, and through art sales, try to pay people for a bit. But nothing really seemed to work properly. And I think it goes back to that, like not having a clear business plan around how to actually make money. Like we never. Mm. confronted that properly and like a succession plan we never had a succession plan. yeah like what you know what if we actually just all need to step if, away or take exactly, a break which is what's happening now and we don't have someone to to kind of take it mm. over mm. so i mean i think yeah and then we just so so we decided to close the studios in the at one fox in what year beginning of 20 beginning of 2018 and so why did we get to that point is the pattern that we'd seen developing in 2015 which drove us out of newtown continued more mm. spaces kept opening and what we found as we did our research and i think it's all tied to the economics and we look at where south africa's at right now i think we're seeing the beginning of sort of a collapsing economy artists are the four first people to feel it like what are people not going to spend money on first art who's going to give artists empty space when they can't find other tenants you know landlords in town so artists were finding free spaces to mm. work in which they weren't in 2012 and they were yeah, there was that uh what's it uh, one e-love. Yeah, one e-love. Or they were very cheap. Like we were probably charging 40 rand a square meter and there were people paying 12 rand a square meter. Yeah. So it just, like the problem was worsening. We weren't, prints on paper were battling to make sales. We thought we could get new tenants and we couldn't get new tenants. Um, like we were losing tenants and we couldn't, we were advertising and not being able to replace them. Mm. And we just, we hit that same point again where we said, okay, look, we've tried We've moved. We've tried. We've really tried. It's now beginning of 2018. So this is the beginning of last year. 
think of the sort of economic mm. social climate of South Africa and it was just like no let's yeah. just shut it down I think another just another important thing at that point was I don't know what year this was maybe 2017 we decided so Mandy Johnson left as a trustee yes. and Laken Morgan Bikies came on as our third trustee and we also developed an advisory board Yes. Which had different people from industry. marketing and finance and some and people from the industry, curators and academics and artists. Because I think, you know, the one thing that we struggled with for many years was we just yeah, so we, we wanted to stop making decisions, just the, the two of us kind of, the as as white females. Like we needed some other input. We needed some other perspectives and we wanted to make sure that what we were doing was the right decision at different points because also we had run the organization on our own for mm. at that point seven years and you know we just needed new voices and new perspectives um so at that point it was you know with with the help of the advisory board we decided to close close the studios yeah it was hard and but i think again we sat the, the artists down who were in the space and we said to them you know, we think of shutting it down. And which was interesting now by that point is a lot of them were saying, well, actually I was going to move out in three months anyway because I found this space or this is happening to me. Or yeah. So what we were seeing, I think, is sh shifts in the, the, the landscape. And we there were models. I keep thinking if I hadn't had children, I think it would have been very different because mm. I think there's different models that could have tested, but I yeah. did not have the capacity or energy. Because I stepped out and basically you'd step back. in 2015, yeah. 2016. And took like a bit of a personal break and was doing other things and I was um I kind of agreed to give it like a last shot like drive and we had the RMB project had grown and they were had agreed to keep giving us money we were working with Vansa on that we have been working on Vansa for several years it's quite a nice project because it's this collaborative project and it's been growing and there's been a life in it so it was it's never as simple as like just shut it down because there's always things and projects and you've got something going, there's momentum, there's people approaching you. We had a residency program for a while. So we had um, artists, we've had Australian artists, Canadian artists, we had someone from the UK, we had someone from Germany. And, you know, you keep getting like interest in these types of programs once you've started him. So, and then it kind of motivates you. Yeah, like and that, then um, yeah. you would get a bit of money. And so like, like we tried, I had like a project manager and curator working with me and I'd like some arts administrators and some marketing people we tried different things to try and <laughs> we tried so many different things get get and it's just so many moving parts and so many different things going on and I think shutting the space down so what we did was we we still had these project exhibitions we had funding for so we found a space in Bramfontein which we were in for like five months which kind of the projects were fun but it, it didn't wasn't really us the being in a space in Bromventeen. And just the overheads were too, too yeah, large. Yeah, there was, like was no way we could sustain that. Yeah, the funding paid for the rent for while we were there. And um, so for 2018, we kind of tested this nomadic model. So doing that, and we still had the R&B things. So we did these, the Talent Unlocked program using different venues for the workshops. And and I think, yeah, we, we did an Inktober. We also did Inktober in 2017. So those were collaborative yeah, pop-up exhibitions. And we... I got to the end of last year and I just was like, this is enough now. Like, it's hard out there. It's really hard. And mm. so while there are strengths in all the things we've been doing and potential programs, as I said, we've still run Talent Unlock this year and you could keep running that program. 
Yeah. Maybe not with that funder, maybe with that funder. It's a strong program. There's a lot you could do with it. But you got to, like, at some point say it's enough is enough. And I think we, we've reached a point now where we're going, we need a break. I need a break. You need a break. We don't need to, like, yeah. keep forcing this thing. So we, I suppose, closing assemblage down as it is. What a large announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think when, when I, I think for the last three, four years, whilst we've been toying with the idea, there was for both of us, I think a lot of like heartbreak <laughs> around closing it. We like, we didn't want mm-hmm. it to close because we were so attached to it and we, we really knew its potential. But I think we're both at a point now where we can look back at it with so much positivity and like gratitude and pride. And we can say, wow, look at what we did and mm-hmm. and let it go in a very peaceful way, like at mm-hmm. peace, like Yes. I, I think um, that's how I feel. And I think that you finally think, got yes. to, uh, at that point as yes, well. I think, so. I think it's acknowledging that the yeah, landscape's shifting and we we did something for a period of time that made sense. Mm. And that was people, responding to what was what was needed. Yeah, at that people time. could hold on to it mm. and use it. And it's not that we couldn't still do that. I think it also speaks to the fact that we as individuals are growing and changing and our needs are shifting as well. Mm. And like I started a podcast. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also perhaps one of the things with assemblage is it actually spoke to young artists and emerging artists. And as we are maturing, we're no longer that. That's a good point. Yeah. And also that leg- you know, like it's not necessarily easy for someone to grab onto something like assemblage because it was so strongly us. Mm. And to take it and own it and say, okay, we're going to do it. Rather, maybe it's about people taking what they learned from it and doing their own thing. Yeah. And I hope like we've put something out there and people can. I do see it with so many young artists going, I see the things they're doing and I'm like, oh, they're, they're getting it. They're like sharing, they're collaborating, they're doing group exhibitions, they're using the learnings that we've shared with them. And I hope it's something that other things will grow on top of, I suppose. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you for the last nine years. <laughs> Thanks, and <laughs> yeah, I think also being, having known each other as friends from before and mm. working together as friends, I think we've both learned a lot of life skills. <laughs> um, conflict of, management. Yeah, I mean, I think of you and I think you're one of those few people that I like, we can say anything to each other in yeah. any context, in any way, and we're still... We'll be friends. friends. Can be friends, which is cool. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm so I get teary when I think about assemblage and what what we've done and what we've achieved. And um, yeah, and I th- I thank you as well because you know you you really kept it going for for much longer than I did, mm. and it wouldn't have continued without without you. I mean every everything. Mm. So in terms of you know we we are archiving assemblage on a Facebook group. Mm. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes and just, yeah, I mean, you can see everything we've done. You can read all the notes we've made, the supplier recommendations, the, the photo albums of the exhibitions we've had, the, there's some the video videos, tutorials. Yeah. The video tutorials, which were produced as early as this year. I mean, as recently as this yeah, year yeah. on professional practice tips. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll put... We're prob- we are trying to archive everything. So, you know, all the people we've worked with over the years, um, the artists who are in our studio space, is uh, the workshop notes from our 
program. The one aspect, again, of what people could continue on their own is the peer mentoring. It's just yeah. get some artists and start talking about your work. Talk about yeah. and do it regularly together Yeah, and make it a space of trust and honesty. That's the mm. challenge, but you can do it. And I think I think we just also should um, thank all the artists and mentors and everyone who's, everyone who's ever been involved yeah. with Assemblage and has yeah. oh, even those people that have given us advice. Funders. I mean, Rula van Veek, who gave us the idea to make art use, happen. use the byline, make art happen. I mean, to everyone who we spoke to and who assisted us, who gave us space. And there's so many people who've us. worked with us so closely and given so much Um you know, like Fleur de Bont has been running our Talent Unlock program. Um, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm going to put the names all on the okay, <laughs> Facebook cool, yeah. because it's a lot of people. Yeah, there's so, we've had an internship program. We've had interns. Yeah. Um, Honse and Day and Grace and people like Isaac and Minnie. I've thought a lot about them. Uh, Alphabet Zoo, I think, have been like our biggest supporters in some ways. They were like, they were there on the day one that we moved into our space. They helped us move furniture in. Yeah. And they were there on the day last and helped us move stuff out. And they're still collecting prints from my house, <laughs> from prints on paper. Still yeah. prints on paper. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting to reflect on how relationships work and community works. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Anne. And it was really great to reminisce and um, just take stock of, of what we did. And I'm glad you've got this podcast so that we could do this. Yeah. and don't know how else we, we would have told people stuff. Because we would have had this conversation <laughs> anyway. So um, it was good to be able to, to share it. So, yeah, I think just thank you so much. And Thanks, I Anne. wish you all the best with everything that you do you and too. i'm sure we will collaborate again in the future it's probably very likely <laughs> i hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation with louise and that you gained a lot of insight into the inner workings of a non-profit arts organization we are really sad to say goodbye to assemblage but are satisfied in the knowledge that it served a purpose for many people for a specific time Thank you to Louise for being an incredible partner over the years and for her keeping Assemblage afloat for so long. And thank you to everyone and anyone who has ever supported Assemblage, financially, in kind, in attendance and participation. Please support Unframed by following us on Facebook and Instagram and share the episodes that you like with your friends and networks. If you like what you have been hearing so far, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Facebook. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.